You're listening to The Ram Report, a podcast about all things VCU basketball, brought to you by WVCW Radio and the Commonwealth Times, and in partnership with the ESPN Richmond Radio. The Ram Report is hosted by Ben Malakoff and Noah Fleischman. Now, here are your hosts, Ben and Noah. Welcome to episode seven of the Ram Report. I'm Ben Malikoff, and here with me today is special guest, former VCU basketball player and part of the Final Four team, Ed Nixon. Ed, how you doing, man? I'm doing pretty good, man. How about yourself? Great, great. Thanks so much for being here. We're going to start with this a recap of the URI, URI game. But first, I want to get your take on this basketball team so far. You've been watching along this, uh, this season. You've been doing your post-game show You've been on pregame shows on ESPN Plus. What do you think of this team? How how is this team different than last year's team? What what do you like about this team so far? Well, one thing to love about this team is their uh, togetherness. Um, they seem to be a much better team this year than in that aspect this year than last year. You know, last year you had a lot of upperclassmen, and then you had lowerclassmen. It was it was a lot of stuff going on in between. Uh, but this year the, the togetherness is, is a lot better. Um, they have a defined uh, leaders in, on this team with Vince Williams and, and Bones Highland. Um, and everybody else kind of finds the role from there. Um, even Ace Baldwin steps up and has leadership moments as well. But uh, the defined uh, leaders is, is, is uh, definitely this year. That's one thing that's so interesting is that there seems to be new guys stepping up all the time. Like you said, freshman Ace Baldwin, he's been in the starting lineup since game one. But even with that, we've seen him step up as a leader in his first year. Bones Highland really taking uh, advantage of that role. Vince Williams back from his injury. It, it's been a lot of fun to watch. And as we expect, right. as we enter conference play here, I'm really hoping that those leadership roles can stay defined because it, it, it's really iffy on the guys who have a lot of experience here. Vince, as we know, has some experience, but a lot of the younger guys. How, how much do you think that experience is is needed as they head into conference play here? Um, it is it, it is needed. Um... But you're learning on the job. You know, uh, I think this this past Saturday was a learning experience for a lot of those guys. Um, we've been hot with, with a lot, like a little win streak. Um, so getting getting a, a defeat like that um, and coming from a, a, a rival, in a sense, um, I think it was good for the guys. So they're learning on the fly. Um, coach is getting doing his best to prepare them. Uh, they just have to be ready to adapt and, and, and uh, set the challenge. That's exactly right. And URI was one of those rougher games for VCU. It was their first conference loss of the season so far. They fell at home 83-68 despite Bones Highland dropping 24 points, 11 blocks in that game. It was a career high or season high for this team, four of them coming from Ward. One thing that really stuck out to me, though, was this game was tied at halftime. And then Rhode Island went on a 17-2 run. And Coach Rhodes said today at his, at his uh, press conference, he said this team was acting down 20 when they were only down six or seven, and that really hurt them. Do you agree with that? 100%. Um, I was actually live at that game, and the body language, I don't, I don't know if players are picking up on that, but the body language, especially from the leaders on the team, has to be at an all-time high, even though things aren't going their way. Um, because the younger classmen are always going to look for them uh, for, for leadership. You know what I mean? So if they see that they're down, that's going to be – the, uh, it's going to be detriment to the team. In contrast, you had the URI bench who was going crazy the whole game. They really brought their own energy. 
And we, as in the VCU players, only brought their energy when things were going well. But we have to have that same energy even when things aren't going our, our way. That's a great point. I, you know, I can't even imagine what it's like playing in an almost empty stadium where the Seagull Center would be, you know, that crowd would normally pick you up. I'm assuming when, when you played, it, it, when you guys were down, there were still, you know, times to find the hype because of the crowd becoming really loud. Right. Here it's only 250 people, so it has to be probably so much harder to find that motivation. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I can agree with that. Um, but I'm kind of I'm kind of old. So I was there when VCU wasn't the hot thing in town. So not all of our games would have a crazy crowd. Or it wasn't always sellouts. Right. So we had those games where it wasn't that packed. We had to find our own energy still. Um, but that's where the leaders come in. That's where the, the maturity comes in. Now with this team, you don't have, you don't really necessarily have that vocal leader from a upperclassman that's been there before and they can uh, rally the troops in that situation. So I think this was a learning experience for VCU. So this is something you would say, is a problem that can be easily fixed going ahead for VCU here. It's not something that you think is going to be, a, you know, a, a poison for this team that will hurt them down the road. I'll say it shouldn't be. I'll say it that way. It shouldn't be. It's, a, it's an easy fix if you have leaders who are understanding what the issue is. I'm pretty sure the coaching staff has brought brought it to their attention as well. Um, and being that this team is so together, I think it should be something that could be fixed and it shouldn't be a thorn in their side. How do they go about fixing it? I know you said leaders, you know, they have to be there. Is it just about those those main guys stepping up and talking to the team and, and getting them motivated again? Or is it a different route? A leader is nothing without followers, right? Right. So so the guys have to buy buy into buy into what the leaders are saying and have to trust them in, in order for it to work. And also as the season goes on, guys who had a significant role that aren't like your bonus highlights or your vences. Um, they have to step their game up. Their game can't uh, revert. You know, it has to keep getting better. So the freshmen who are playing decent now have to be playing good basketball by the time the end of the season. You know what I mean? So you're no longer a freshman as the season goes on. So you've got to continuously get better. And these are the things that we, we, we see – freshman not playing like freshman we see ace baldwin not playing like a freshman jameer watkins they're having outstanding first years but even with that you can still have those you can still have those tells that these guys are still freshmen they have a lot to learn as the road goes down correct i, I like for ace baldwin as, as an example i think that ace has been playing tremendous for us and uh giving us tre tremendous minutes at the point guard position uh not only for a freshman, but just as a college basketball player in the A-10, he's been playing very well. But as of late, as the competition stepped up, you start seeing him have turnovers that you usually wouldn't see him make. So he has to get that squared away. But uh, I have I have faith in the coach staff and faith in, in Ace that he'll get it fixed. One thing that I, I noticed struggled a little bit in the Rhode Island game as well was the offense. And it didn't seem like it sparked at times until Bones Highland, one of the team leaders, started to get it going. It would wait until he hit a three-pointer or he did something around the basket. And even so, it, it would still take Bones Highland doing a lot more uh, to get the rest of the offense going. How can BCU go about fixing this? And is this a problem that you've noticed too? Um, I have noticed sometimes we rely on Bones too much to bail us out. Um, and I think that could be easily fixed. Um, but one of the things I've seen in particular this last game was sometimes we have to trust the open shot. And what I mean by that is we'll swing the ball, we'll get the ball moving, and we'll have an open shot. We'll swing to a player who has an open shot, 
But being that they don't feel confident in their shot, they don't take it. That can that can uh, can hinder the rest of the offense. You have to take the open shots. You have to keep the defense honest. So you have to take the open shots when we get it. Otherwise, you're hurting the team. The defense was certainly hurt by the offense, 30% from three. They definitely lost their confidence a little bit, and that might be a reason why they wanted to stop taking those open shots. When you when you start shooting poorly, it, you know, it might affect you and the rest of your shooting game, and you might start giving up those open shots, right? Well, yes, yes, I, I understand, but you have to you have to shoot it regardless. Um, if if the, if that's what the off uh, the, the defense is giving us, we have to have confidence in our shot. The shooter's mentality is the next one's going in, so that's what they have to do. Um, and besides, these guys work hard on their game. Have confidence in your work, and just go out there and shoot the ball. This loss is in the books now. They have to move on to another A-10 game coming up against George Washington. They'll play Rhode Island again later on in the season. Coming from a former player's perspective, how eager do you think this team is right now to bounce back? How eager would you be to bounce back after a performance like last game? Uh, you need to, you need a win like it's your, your next breath, right? Um, so I know these guys are chomping at the bit, ready to get back on the court, ready to uh, show the VCU fans that they're 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 for real. Um, I know some people are going to be be questioning them from here on out, but the thing about it is you just have to worry about what you're doing and not the outside noise. Um, I think these guys are going to bounce back and bounce back strong. Do you see any similarities between this team and any of the teams you played on at VCU? Has that caught your eye at all, or is this just a completely unique team? Just everything about this team is original, or you know, just you know, similarities to former VCU teams. Uh, I think this team is is one of its own, um, but they do have sim- certain similarities. Like I remember my freshman year, we had a lot of excuse me, we had a lot of freshmen. Uh, this team has a lot of freshmen. Um, but one thing about this team, I will say, um, that is similar to some of the previous teams in my time, were that they're extremely deep. Um, Coach Grant, that was my first two years, my freshman sophomore. Coach Grant kind of ran a, a tight ship. He had a he had a short rotation. Um, I think he still does the, kind of the same thing at Dayton, if you look at it. Um, but under Coach Smart and uh, the Will Wade's and Coach Rose, now he likes to get those guys out there and get more experience. Um, and kind of let them play their game a little bit more. Um, let them make mistakes, and they'll get better from that, from, from living and learning. Um, so that's why I would say this team is a very deep team. I want to read you some stats about this team, and, and just tell me what what, the, what comes to mind when I read these stats to you, what, what it shows about this team. VCU is third in the nation in steals with 11.1 per game, third in total blocks with 68, and ninth in turnovers forced with 18.75. And then finally – eighth in a block shots in the nation per game, 5.7, almost six block shots per game. What does that, what does that tell you about this overall team makeup? Uh, they lean on their defense. Uh, and that means they're going to be in every game they play. Right. Um, I think this is the first time that we had such a, uh, a front court that had the ability to block shots like that. I mean, Larry, Larry was a one man show, uh, but with uh, CD 13, Corey Douglas and, Hassan Ward, and then we also have your, your flying around guys like Keyshawn Curry, um, Vince Williams. Uh, with those guys impacting impacting uh, impacting the defense on on, on the on, in the blocking aspect aspect, I think that that plays a big role in, in them doing that. Also, with guys like Trey with Trey Clark coming off the bench and getting steals, is is crazy. And you know, it's like havoc. You know. 
that's a lot. That's exactly what a lot of people are saying right now. It is like Havoc has come back. And I'm glad you mentioned Trey Clark and Hassan Ward, because for me, if I if I had a vote into guys who have you know really upped their game from last year and have been kind of not comeback players, but like guys who have just evolved and taken the next step, next level into the game, Trey Clark and Hassan Ward would be those two guys to get my votes. They have provided essential minutes for VCU this season. Trey Clark at one point was top 10 or, or top 15 in, in steals or, or turn, turnovers forced per game in the nation. Hassan Ward, he had four blocks last game. It felt like he was just flying around the court and his hand was anywhere near the ball at all times. It's really been something else to watch. Right. Um, like for Trey Clark in particular, I think he's, since I seen him play last year, I seen, I went to a practice last year and I knew the guy was good. He has starter level talent, but for this team, it's best that he comes off the bench because we need that spark. Um, Hassan Ward is a newcomer to basketball in general, you know? So I, as long as he continues to work hard, he's going to continually get better, which can be crazy, right? Because his potential is through the roof. Right. And kind of wrapping up here, an interesting report. I wanted to get your take on it. You know, not necessarily to do with VCU basketball. It has to do with the whole A-10. They're considering moving the, the tournament from Brooklyn to Richmond, potentially. It's not official yet, but it could come to the Siegel Center or it could be at the University of Richmond or another A-10 location, is that something that interests you at all? You know, for me, at least going to Brooklyn has always been a really interesting trip, a really great, uh, you know, watching the teams play at the Barclays Center. But an A-10 site, that could be a very interesting, you know, take a, just a, a new perspective on it all, right? Yeah, it, it could. It could. Um, don't get me wrong. Uh, I haven't been up to the tournament in Brooklyn yet, but I did plan on making it uh, this past season before, you know, COVID-19. Um, and then – if it came to Richmond, I just have a feeling that all the other teams would feel salty about it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I can't lie. Cause we heard a lot about that in the CAA being that in the Coliseum, that's where they, had, they held the turn, um, the conference tournament. So I'm for it as a VCU fan, but if I wasn't a VCU fan, I would feel some type of way. Oh well, yeah. And you know, if fans were somehow allowed into these games, which I, I don't know if it would be a, a home game at the Siegel center in the A 10 tournament, that'd be practically almost unfair. Right. Right. Exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I, I, I would love to see it happen. I don't know if it's going to happen. It's just a report that I read in the RTD, but uh, it would be an interesting outcome. Even if the games were at the Robin center, I, I would love to see how many DCU fans would invade that home court. Oh, we would flood it. Yeah, we were flooded. Uh, VCU <laughs> fans travel. VCU fans travel for sure. Great. So VCU plays their next game against George Washington. That game was moved to 2 p.m. in Washington, D.C. Coming up this Wednesday. Ed, thank you so much for joining us here on the Ram Report. We'd love to have you back anytime. Really appreciate it, man. Thank you for having me, man. You take it easy. Once again, a big thank you to Ed Nixon, former VCU basketball player, for joining me on the Ram Report. Now we're back previewing George Washington with Noah Fleischman. He has returned after his small break. Noah, thanks for uh, for joining me again here today. <laughs> yeah, you know, we we back cutting it up in the studio. We're back. Finally. I didn't think I'd see you again, buddy. Uh, so George Washington, they are a team that is a little bit confusing because they have a very high-powered offense. Uh, 
They have James Bishop, who's averaging just under 20 points per game, second in the A-10. Matt Moyer, he's averaging a double-double, 10 points per game, 10 rebounds per game. But this team still has a losing record, 3-7. and seven. They're 2-1 and one in the conference. They, they have started good in the A-10, but 2-4 and four at home as well. So it's a bit of a confusing team. For VCU, the one thing I, I know I want to see is a fast start from guys who aren't necessarily Bones Highland. I want to see the rest of the offense start out fast and start scoring some points. So when Bones Highland starts to get hot, you already have some type of a cushion there. Because it felt like last game, and I talked a little bit about this with Ed, uh, it when Bones Highland was hot, he was the only source of our offense and other guys weren't getting as hot. So, you know, I, I want to see other guys start, you know, taking some shots when they have the opportunity and hopefully getting things going early on for VCU. Yeah, Bones Highlands, he's been the guy that's provided a lot of offenses here. A couple of 30-point games, a lot of 20-point-plus games performances from him. Big breakout season for the sophomore out of Wilmington. But, you know, as you said, sometimes he's the only offense in the court VCU's found offense through other people like Vince Williams as a guy that's really stepped up to the plate. Uh, last game, kind of an off night for him. But you know what? Moving on against George Washington, a team that you said 3-7. It's a, it's a record you might catch you off guard. They lost to Navy. They lost to Hampton. They beat Coppin State, Brandon Medley-Bacon's um, former school. They lost to UMBC, Delaware, Women Mary in a row. So a three-game losing streak. They snapped it against Fordham. You know, 71 to 47 against Fordham, a team that beat Dayton. So, you know, any team in the A10 can win on any given day. And they had a little back to back doubleheader with Duquesne and split that. So, first of all, I don't know how you split doubleheaders. But anyway, yeah. So, I mean, this is a team that you look up on paper and you're like, you lost to Wayman Mary in overtime. Like, Wayman Mary, like, not, 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 no shot at Wayman Mary. But, but the thing is, you look at it, all these games have been close. They lost to Charlotte by one. They lost to William Mary by one. They lost to Delaware by three. I mean, those all three in a row. What is that? Five points in a three-game stretch, and you lose all three. Like, I mean, so and it's just ball not going your way. And in the A10, you got to take it one game at a time. And any team in this conference can can beat the other team. So I mean, you just got to take it one game at a time. VCU traveling to George Washington on Wednesday, but I mean. George Washington's last game against Bonaventure was postponed due to a little COVID scare, similar to what VCU had, just a one day off, missing one game, but coming back for their midweek game. And yeah, against GW on Wednesday, two o'clock instead of six o'clock, moved up to what they feared could be curfew. And another thing about George Washington that uh, that we should note here, James Bishop. I did mention he was under or averaging just under 20 points per game, which is second in the A-10. Jamison Battle also averaging 18 points per game. Battle and Bishop, they're six and seven in minutes in the Atlantic 10. These guys play close to almost the whole game for this George Washington team. So I think another key to this game for VCU is high energy early against Battle and Bishop. Try to trap them when they have the ball. Try to really make these guys tired. Because if you can get into their bench early on, if you got, if you can make a, a deep cut into their backup players, their sixth and seventh guys, or even their fourth and fifth guys, honestly, I think that will give VCU an even bigger chance of winning this matchup. Because Battle and Bishop, once they're going, these guys are really strong on offense. They, these guys are some of the best offensive players in the Atlantic 10 in the whole conference. 
But if you're able to shut these guys down early, get them tired, or force uh, George Washington to sit them a little bit longer, VCU has an even, even bigger shot at taking this matchup. Yeah, one thing we like to see is uh, VCU does a lot of things to get people tired. They like to, they see a guy who plays 40 minutes a game, 35 minutes a game, whatever it is, and they're going to go right after you. They're going to try to wear you down in particular, get you off the floor. They've done that with other teams in the past. I expect them to do that with those two guards coming up tomorrow against George Washington. George Washington team, their bench isn't that deep compared to VCU, so they can get to the bench then. It might be a little opportunity for VCU to go on a run or two throughout the game. But one thing to note is Jamie and Christian, head coach at George Washington, former VCU assistant, spent one year on Broad Street. So, I mean, he needs to think too about Havoc, and he's going to try to prepare his team as well as he can. I don't know how well many coaches can do, can replicate it, but we'll see how they prepare for it. One final thing that I want VCU to look out for in this game, the only stat category they're actually being outdone in on their stat sheet, they're being out-rebounded on average. The Rams are getting 34 rebounds a game while opponents are averaging 35 per game on VCU. I think to once you get past uh, lower conference teams and get into your uh, you know harder non-conference schedule, they play Richmond later uh, this week on Saturday – you're going to have to rebound better. You cannot lose the rebound battle, especially with, uh, you know, you, you have really great athletic big men, Douglas, Hassan Ward. You can't be losing the rebound battle. I think that's one thing the VCU needs to work on before they get too far into conference schedule. Yeah, rebounding is definitely something that has been a little little shaky throughout the year. Some games, they look really good. Rebounding other games, they get rebounded, out-rebounded by double digits. So, I mean, something to keep an eye on. I mean, is it going to make or break the game? Maybe. I mean, you you miss offensive boards. You, that's another opportunity you missed there. If you left the other team getting offensive board, then they can get a second chance basket. So, I mean, something to keep an eye on tomorrow against GW. Yep. Tomorrow against GW, like you said, that one's moved to 2 p.m. from 6 p.m. due to the curfew. I won't be there, but we will be watching on TV due to uh, media or just regulations in the city. Not, no one's allowed in that arena. I was actually surprised to see the amount of people in the George, uh, in the in the George Mason arena at that game. There were quite quite a few more people there than I expected. But at at GW, that will be an empty arena with uh, nobody there except for those two teams. So we will have the same recap for you next week on the Ram Report. Once again, big thank you to Ed Nixon for coming on here and talking VCU basketball with us. Same time, same place. This is the Ram Report. Thank you for listening.